Section 37 of The Heroines of History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in August 2010. The Heroines of History by John S. Jenkins. Section 37 Marie Antoinette. Part 2 such were the king and queen of france on whom fell the iniquities of a long line of sovereigns they became the parents of four children two of whom died in infancy leaving maria theresa and louis charles two bright and beautiful children the first of whom was eleven years old and the last eight when the tempest of the revolution burst upon the royal family this event was chiefly due to ages of wrong, to the influence of the American Revolution, and to the plotting factions of French nobles and statesmen, who inflamed the populace and brought destruction on themselves as well as their good king. But there were many incidents in the Queen's life which, perverted by busy scandal, hastened the fearful denouement. The chief of these was the famous affair of the diamond necklace. Marie was fond of jewellery. Louis XV had given her a necklace of pearls, each of which was as large as a filbert, and all remarkably alike, and the crown jewels she used, of course. She had also bracelets that cost $40,000. Bachmer, the crown jeweller, had gratified her with earrings composed of pear-shaped diamonds and worth $70,000. He now determined to outdo himself. He travelled over Europe, bought up the rarest diamonds, and made a necklace in which he expended a fortune of $320,000. This he offered to the Queen, but, to his astonishment, her taste had become more simple, and her sense of economy was too strong for the temptation. By no means could he induce her to purchase his chef d'oeuvre, in which all his hopes were at stake. Meanwhile, the Countess Lamotte, a relative yet enemy of the royal family and a dissolute woman, forged a promissory note in the Queen's name for the amount of the necklace and palmed off the deception on Cardinal de Rohan, who thus procured the jewels for the Countess. She disposed of them in some way and began to live in a style of great extravagance. The sovereigns believed the cardinal to be an accomplice in the fraud. He and the countess were tried. He was acquitted, and doubtless to show an indignity to her royal blood, she was sentenced by the tribunal to be whipped, branded, and imprisoned for life. Afterwards she perished tragically in London. But it was industriously reported that the queen was privy to the whole plot against the jeweller, and the dark suspicion exasperated many against Marie Antoinette. Besides this, from her first entrance into France, innumerable tales were spread to her prejudice. From the hour of her marriage, Madame du Barry, the transcendently fascinating courtesan of Louis XV, jealous of the influence of the fair young Austrian, did all in her power to injure her. The old formal dowagers, in their hoop dresses and black caps, who waited on the Dauphiness, were shocked at her youthful improprieties and became her implacable enemies, 
their spite being specially increased by the irrepressible smiles of marie when on state occasions her friend a roguish young marchioness made sport of the solemn ladies by playing pranks behind their backs the austrian's girlish mirthfulness and non-conformity to the absurd etiquette of the court was improved to the utmost by all lovers of form or haters of austrian supremacy after she assumed the crown she abolished the custom of admitting the people to see the royal family dine a moving crowd having always been permitted to enter the palace and gaze at their sovereigns at table from behind the railing as if it were a show of feeding wild animals the denial of this privilege was a grudge against the queen her want of education likewise exposed her to the animadversions of the intellectual society of paris and this was heightened by her natural choice of not the best informed ladies for her favourites her villa of little trianon was falsely said to have been named by her little vienna while it was reported that she hated france and sighed for her native land she once brought home a peasant child who had been run over by her carriage this child was actually declared to be an illegitimate son of her own whom she had introduced into the palace by such an expedient at another time her royal chariot broke down on the way to the opera obliging her to take a hackney coach this was maliciously construed into an apology for some nightly assignation so also at a levee she expressed admiration for a heron's plume worn by the unprincipled duke de lausune he gallantly presented it to her and she not to offend him once appeared with it in public enough to feed the greedy appetite of impure rumour for a long while at the gardens of marly with a company of ladies and gentlemen she took a ride at night to the hills to see the sunrise and this adventure was pronounced a covered plan of licentiousness after an unusual fall of snow she got up a sleigh-ride in the streets of paris with rich equipage to the surprise of all the people who accused her of a design to introduce austrian customs in private theatricals she performed as an actress and in private parties she gleefully engaged in such simple sports as blind man's buff to the general indignation of all sticklers for dignity in short there was no end of the stories set afloat by cunning persons and every incident was converted into caricature a defamatory picture or a song to be sung by the street beggars she was even insulted often to her face when she imprudently assumed a mask and mingled with promenaders on the avenues after a reign of nineteen years the slowly gathering storm that long had darkened over the heads of louis the sixteenth and marie antoinette broke in the thundering tread the lightning violence and torrent rush of the mobs of seventeen eighty nine tattered haggard and drunken crowds emerging from the dens of paris raged through the streets armed with pikes clubs and every instrument that could be converted into a weapon of attack the king insisted on gentle measures and when his troops were driven from the city he collected his army around him at versailles the capital was abandoned to the infuriated people who levelled the bastille to the ground and sacked every house they chose to invade 
it is in vain to follow the course of events and attempt to give the scenes of the revolution in detail the eye need be fastened now upon the queen alone in all the awful trials through which she passed to the scaffold a few brief paragraphs only are required to set forth her heroic portrait on the dark and confused background of that reign of terror from the first the determination of her mother was kindled within her she vainly urged the king to take decided steps to force down the rebellion when he was absent on his dangerous and fruitless visit to the national assembly at paris she prepared to follow him to the last extremity on his return at a banquet of the military officers she together with him excited as wild enthusiasm as did her mother among the hungarians at pressburg and when the monster mob rushed from the city dragged its mighty bulk along the road to versailles to coil its slimy and bristling convolutions around the palace itself and shake its thousands of hissing tongues in the very sanctuary of royalty she urged to fly with her children would not desert her lord but said quote, nothing shall induce me in such an extremity to be separated from my husband i know that they seek my life but i am the daughter of maria theresa and i have not learned to fear death End quote. it was the evening of a dismal rainy day when the delirious and countless multitude reached versailles to hold its hideous orgies all night in the gardens and cottages assured of protection by lafayette commander of the guard the queen when it was nearly daylight the next day endeavoured to get an hour's repose but she had hardly closed her eyes before the swarming ruffians broke into the palace and thundered at the door of her chamber she had barely escaped to the apartments of the king when they shivered the door of her own and plunged their pikes and knives into her empty bed the next day her courage rose to sublimity beholding her trusty soldiers butchered in the courtyard of the palace she undoubtedly presented herself at the windows while bullets were flying around her and she refused the protection of a friend who threw himself before her she declared that the king could not afford to lose so faithful a subject as he the crowd called for her to show herself in the balcony she came forward with her children thinking to move the sympathy they at once roared forth the cry away with the children without an instant's hesitation or a change of colour in her face she sent away the children and stood alone in the balcony lifting her eyes to god with clasped hands and resigned to fall the next moment as a ransom for her family a dead silence struck the mad concourse they were overwhelmed at her sublime self-sacrifice and suddenly from every throat went up the shout live the queen live the queen with a purposeless frenzy the poor misguided famished and intoxicated mob demanded that the king should return with them to the city the queen would not be parted from him and beyond all description was the right of theirs to paris borne along as they were for seven hours by a flood of desperate creatures who loaded them with abuse endangered their lives by frequent shots and shocked them by the bloody heads of the slaughtered guard carried on pikes and thrust before the windows of their carriage 
thirty thousand madmen armed with every possible weapon surrounded the cortege and women crazed with poverty crime and rum were seated on the cannon that were rolled along and sang ribald songs in ridicule of the queen the feelings of a mother were too strong in her for any dismay on her own account she held her boy on her knee and tried to soothe his terrors for two years the sovereigns were little more than prisoners in the palaces of the tuileries and saint cloud the national guard surrounded them day and night ostensibly to protect but really to hold them captive and constantly were they threatened with assassination marie antoinette in vain entreated her husband to use active measures to assert his authority or else to fly to the frontiers he possessed a calm and indomitable courage in endurance but had none for action and he believed that repeated concessions to the demands of the people would at last satisfy them and so she devoted herself to the instruction of her children or employed herself with embroidery maintaining a serene and cheerful fortitude during all those months of alarm many plans for their secret escape were formed by their friends these plots were either divulged and the instigators beheaded or if nearly successful were defeated by the inaction of louis at length the case became too desperate for even his passive nature he and his wife were falsely accused of exciting the rally of the allied powers who were now collecting an army that threatened to march upon paris and suppress the revolution with fire and sword the royal family were openly denounced in the national assembly as traitors to their country the scheme of flight was matured after long and anxious deliberation the royal family retired as usual on the night of the twentieth of june seventeen ninety one at eleven o'clock no sooner were they in their rooms than they disguised themselves and departing by the rear doors of the palace and taking separate routes through the obscurest streets of paris they sought the rendezvous appointed for them to take the coaches prepared the queen leading her daughter and accompanied by one of her bodyguard arrived soon at the place agreed upon but had to wait a long time in extreme anxiety for the king who had lost his way in silent and agonizing apprehension they met entered their carriages and were rapidly driven with relays of horses all that night and the next day to varennes one hundred and eighty miles from paris before reaching that town they had been recognized and the news of their approach sent in advance the circumstances cannot be rehearsed a crowd collected the king declared himself and appealed to the people but vainly they had arrived there in the evening all night the queen remained in the mayor's house it was the night of her intensest agony and in the morning her hair which before was a beautiful brown was found to have turned white in consequence of her indescribable misery the return to paris the next day and night after their arrest was a repetition of the terrible journey to versailles only now it was eighteen times the distance and their distress was heightened by utter exhaustion and hopelessness riotous crowds thronged the road cursing and jeering the captives or attempting to fall upon them like greedy wolves 
and old men who ventured a look or gesture of respect towards their king were massacred before his eyes without mercy amidst suffocating multitudes dust and heat and fainting with thirst and terror at more daring menaces they entered the city as the doors of the palace closed upon them a universal cry of rage rent the air and was prolonged to their ears like reverberating thunder guards kept their eyes upon the queen every moment day and night to the outrage of her modesty and to the disgrace of humanity the king for days was struck dumb with despair and at last marie cast herself with her children before him saying quote, we may all perish but let us at least perish like sovereigns and not wait to be strangled unresistingly upon the very floor of our apartments End quote. and madame elizabeth sister of the king the other heroine of these scenes and the most saintly woman assisted in cheering the unfortunate monarch and bravely did he arouse himself and face the brutal mob that broke into the palace prison the next day to revenge themselves for his refusal to authorize a persecution of the priest they came with banners one of which was a doll hung up by the neck and beneath it the words to the gibbet with the austrian they wrenched down the doors and rioted through the splendid apartments destroying everything in their way and pressed upon the king and queen who were only saved by maintaining extraordinary composure and uttering some popular expressions some sentiment of the sacredness of royal persons seemed to have remained and held back the frantic concourse like a magic spell for hours the family were exposed to the rush and gaze of the populace until the president of the assembly succeeded in dispersing them further attempts to poison or assassinate the queen were made and many insults endured by her it is in vain to enumerate them it is adding the same colors to the terrific picture the mob in august seventeen ninety two demanded that the king should be dethroned and again attacked the tuileries at which they pointed their loaded cannon an officer urged the family to take refuge in the national assembly marie resisted the proposal and seizing the officer's pistol placed them in the hands of louis and said quote, now sire is the time to show yourself and if we must perish let us perish with glory End quote. but subdued at the sight of her children she consented to go fearful was their passage through the bloodthirsty crowd while their friends were butchered and long were the hours of suspense as they sat in a box behind the seat of the president of the assembly but they never trembled nor quailed the queen gazed steadfastly and indignantly like the very statue of outraged majesty at the excited assembly the king was dethroned and with his family was imprisoned in the monastery of the feuillants afterwards they were incarcerated in a gloomy fortress called the temple the reign of terror was at its height and nothing but the strength of their dungeon saved them from the foaming desire of the city to add their royal blood to the streams of human gore that deluged the streets months passed their few comforts were gradually withdrawn 
one by one they were separated the king was executed her son was taken from the queen and so abused in his confinement that he afterwards became insane and died and on the fourteenth of october seventeen ninety three four months after her husband's death marie antoinette fell a victim to the busy and dread guillotine when they tore her son from her she resisted the cruelty with furious desperation and when they took her from her daughter she accidentally struck her own forehead against the door and to the question whether she was hurt she said with the preternatural calmness of an utterly broken heart quote, oh no nothing now can further hurt me End quote. in the damp dark loathsome underground dungeon of the conciergerie the place of the doomed the daughter of maria theresa the admired and gay queen of saint cloud and versailles awaited her fate she had stood up before the vociferous and exulting spectators at the tribunal and heard her sentence without the quivering of a nerve and without stooping to offer a word of defence though the most groundless charges were uttered against her and now she knelt in her cell prayed and then slept as tranquilly as if she were reposing on the satin damask of her petit trianon after a stroll among flowers and fountains two hours of slumber passed she was awakened and dressed in the only fine garments that she had preserved amidst her soiled array she wore a white loose robe pure as her innocence with a cap and black ribbon on her head the day was cold and misty at eleven o'clock her hands were bound she was placed in a rough cart and jolted along through the crowd that cried down with the austrian one glance at that scene of her pleasures and woes the tuileries and she ascended the scaffold knelt and said quote, lord enlighten and soften the hearts of my executioners adieu forever my children i go to join your father End quote. her children in their distant dungeons heard not the words but we may trust that they were heard in heaven the glittering yet blood-stained blade fell the executioner lifted her head by the prematurely white hair and the air echoed to the cry vive la république in her grave where now stands the church of the madeleine were buried thirty-eight years of as joyous youth splendid pleasures and awful tortures as ever fell to the lot of a mortal hers was a wild beautiful and noble nature gentle yet tameless ensnared from first to last in an unparalleled series of events and slowly tortured to life's close by miseries which a superhuman ingenuity could not have more terribly devised than did her enemies End of section thirty seven